right, everybody. Let's see how many have breath to praise the Lord. Welcome to Haven. Please stand. Feel it in my bones, you're about to move. I feel it in the wind, you're about to ride in. You said that you would pour your spirit out. You said that you would fall on sons and
When darkness tries to roll over my bones And sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. Oh, and shame no longer has a place to hide. And I am not a captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. There's power that can break up every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can't save. Power in your name. Power in your name. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. No, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm we just thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for a wonderful day that we're just going to celebrate in your presence. And we just give you praise for who you are. And God, whatever we say or do, may we just focus and may it be acceptable to you. We just give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, amen. Say hello. It's a super Sunday because you're here and our kids can go ahead and uh, head somewhere else to our kids.
a lot of stuff. Did you get all of it? We could do it again. No. Oh, no. Uh, lots going on here. If you are not connected, get connected. Okay? There's groups for everybody. I want to announce the youth group is going to be uh, prepping and getting ready for their Ocean City trip, and I forget what that's called. But it, it thank you, Breakaway. Uh, and it's an amazing amazing adventure for them so we're real excited about that um, nursing home packing we moved it to this coming Saturday from 10 to 12 anybody wants to join me to pack the boxes we have 400 employees um, and staff that we're going to recognize and tell them thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you and if you want to donate anything there's somebody in this church every single night you can just drop it off it's all good um, parking lot just a, this is just a and FYI, uh, we have put down some cones, and they're kind of uh, for anyone who's handicapped or just had surgery and just needs to park real close. All you have to do is stop and tell them, let me in, and they'll move the cone, okay? So we're kind of trying to make sure that everybody's um, safe. So if you need that, just say, hey, I, I need to park here today. So it's all good. Um, Ruth has asked me to lift um, her friend's family in prayer. They have had some dramatic tragedy. They lost a son in January, I believe, and then just recently a daughter passed away. So they've lost two children uh, back to back. So we just want to lift that family in prayer. Dale Ross, he's not here yet, but he had a second back surgery, looking good. Um, so we're, uh, we're praying for you, Dale. I know you're out there. Um, Jen Cummings, she's here today and smiling. I don't know where she went, but she's here. Oh, there she is. Um, she had her surgery, and uh, she's doing really well, too. Um, hmm, I wrote Brandy, and I have no idea what that means at all. Oh, yes, I do. VA, that's it. Okay. Okay, Jen Wilcox, she has asked that uh, we continue to pray for her dad who's still in ICU with heart issues and an infection. So we really want to lift him in prayer and get that infection out of his body. 
um, Laura Young, uh, prayers for her 13-year-old grandson who has been dealing with thyroid glossal duct cyst. I have no idea how close I was or how far away, but it's his thyroid, okay? Uh, it's a two-hour surgery, bless his heart. Was I close? Close. Well, they know it's here, that it's there. Oh, not his thyroid, but his duct. Yeah, keep, pray for me, okay? Um, and Lisa for her mom's healing of her legs so that she is going to be able to have her surgery. So there's a lot of healing, a lot of praying going on. Um, Ernie, we're glad to see you here today. You're feeling better. It's all good. So let us go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, let us thank you and praise you for all the amazing things you give us. This beautiful week with beautiful weather. And let us lift to you the issues on our heart, things that we need to be working on, things that are bothering us, our finances, our health, our marriage, our relationships, whatever's going on in our hearts. Let us lift it to you and let you take the handle and take the road. Given it to you, God, we know we'll find our answers. We are blessed with your love, your grace, and your mercy, which you give us all the time. And without it, we would not survive. I lift everyone in this room. Haven is growing. This family is amazing. Prayers for Pastor Jack today as he brings us his message, as we continue to talk about and work through those with issues, mental health, depression, that they're real, and we want to keep those folks lifted and loved. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, ADD or ADHD. We cannot avoid the topic of mental illness. What does this mean for those of us who are born again, blood-washed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and yet live in this real world where people have real problems and real difficulties. You have to face it somewhere. So even if you want to avoid the subject here, you have to ask the question, what are we as Christians supposed to do? everyone how are we doing today Good, all right so a little bit a little bit different change in weather um they they lied to us sold a 60 yesterday didn't they but it didn't get there no sun but anyway good to see everybody here if you're visiting we're just glad you're here um if you have a smartphone and you want your bulletin which you may have in paper you can get it that way there also in front of you um is uh, if you're not in the front row is a and i guess well yeah if it's not in the front row um there's a QR code which has our church app, and I know Joanna talked about a lot of things, and a lot of times you come in church, stuff's going, scrolling, and then we go through them um, in a little bit, and you miss that. We want anybody, whether you're here for the first time or you've been here 
8 billion times. We want to make sure that you have access to that and know what's going on and different things. Also, um, so you can just download that and, um, and it's, it give you all the information. And it's also a way to connect and do some other things there as register and other things. Also, um, next uh, Sunday after church, about, it'll, it'll take um, about an hour. Um, it is, uh, we, we have our growth pathway, Haven's growth pathway, and next week is Haven 101. And, um, and so I just, I'll do some talking there, and then we'll, um, it'll be interactive. We'd love for you to stay after. You get a little booklet. You get to find out about how this church came about, what we are about now. And, um, and so, um, you know, some people talk about membership there. Other people just want to find out. That's fine. We'd love for you to come. Just stay after and, um, and connect with Haven 101. All right? So we have that. Also remember, grief share. I know it's, um, it's that time of year. And many of our, our people are, have been dealing with lots of sickness. A couple people dealing with COVID. Other people dealing with um, some other things like RSV and all kinds of other things. So be praying for people who have illness. Also wanted to mention Dale Ross. Dale was with us last week. He went um, back to the doctor, had some complications, had, had some um, complications. They went back in, and um, and he is home now and getting stronger. So um, he said they need to put a zipper on his back because um, they've been in so many times. But we love Dale, and we want to uh, hope that he gets um, gets fully better and everything else. All right, um, we good. Okay, here we go. So I want to ask you a question. What do you say to yourself when you talk to yourself? Now, we know you all talk to yourselves. Um, it's become increasingly more difficult because people with Bluetooth headgear, and they'll be talking to each other. You're like, what? Anybody ever been shocked? You think they're talking to you? And then you're like really scared that they're talking to themselves, and then you move away to the next aisle. But um, what do you really say? And I'm not talking about like uh, the normal kind of stuff like, not the normal stuff like, oh, don't forget the groceries, don't forget the kid, because last time I forgot the kid and went home. Not, not that kind of stuff. I'm talking about like the other things, like the ongoing self-talk, the stuff you say to yourself over and over and over and over again. And you continue to think about the things that, um, that probably are not the most helpful in life. The stuff that you say, it, it's not always the most positive. Um, and when you talk to yourself, if you're like a lot of people, a lot of people get stuck in a negative loop, all right? That we keep, we keep saying the same thing. Oh, I'm, I'm not as smart. I'm not as good looking. I'm not as this. I'm not that. Or, hey, I'll never be this and so. And we, we kind of get stuck in that loop. And even when somebody else tells you something different, you don't often believe it because you've been telling yourself something a lot. And um, this is another part of why we are in this series um, called Finding Peace of Mind. And so we're in this fifth week. And some of the things that you may say to yourself might be this. Um, like when you're riding down the road, and do you realize that some people are not the best drivers? Do you realize that a lot of people should not be on the road at all? Not me, but all of you. Uh, is what I, but, um, and for some reason, people have decided that the fast lane is something that you get in, and it's your lane at whatever speed you want. Is that, does that bother anybody else? And usually when that happens, you don't say, oh, bless them. They're just such blessed drivers. You don't say that. And if you tell me you do, the Lord knows what you said. Um, but you may say there are a bunch of idiots, or we may have to bleep what you would say, or, or even what you think. In, in the morning, you, you don't get up and go, wow. You get up and go, oh my gosh, I've got too much to do. And then at the end of the day, you go, I got nothing done. 
And then you wake up the next morning, what do you say? I got too much to do, and you, you keep that. I'm never going to get caught up on anything. And then when money, you st- talk to yourself negative with money. I'm always going to struggle. It's always going to be bad. I'm never going to get out of this. Or relationships. You may say, I, never, I don't trust anybody. I, I can't trust anybody at all. And, and when you do something wrong, you like to yourself, I'm such an idiot. Or you say, they're stupid because I'm smart. Or you know, whatever, you're, you're always looking at something. So what do you say when you talk to yourself? What are the things? And the reason why I ask is simply this. And, I, you know, you don't need to shout it out because we don't need to hear that right now. But, but for yourself, I want you to know because the reason why I say this is what you say to yourself matters more than you can imagine. And, uh, like, there was a, a story of, of, and what we're talking about today is negativity, okay? And um, I would ask if you're negative, if you've ever been negative, but if you're an Eagles fan or a Ravens fan, you're very negative today, okay? Um, but th- there's, a, um, there's a story of a barber in a small town, and he was the only barber that was there. So you didn't really have a choice. He was known for his arrogant and negative attitude, but you had no other choice. So one day, one of his regular t- customers came in, and, and again, he was just being so negative to him about everything was negative. If you've ever been in a barbershop, they talk about everything from politics, religion, to what's going on, to hunting and fishing. Anybody been in a barbershop? You know what I mean? But he was just negative about it all, every single thing. So this, one of his customers sat down, and he mentioned that he was going to go to Rome and wanted to go to Vatican, and he, was gonna, he wanted to hope to meet the Pope, to which immediately the barber responded, you meet the Pope? Yeah, right. Get real. Don't make me laugh. The Pope only sees kings, queens, presidents, and famous people. What in the world would he ever want with you? You're a nobody. You always will be. And heck, I wouldn't want to see if you didn't come here and pay for your haircut. Nice guy, right? Okay. So um, the man le- got his haircut, left, and went to Rome. And when he came back, um, after a while, a month went by, and he needed another haircut. So he had to go back to the barber. And he went in, and the barber said, so how was Rome? And he said, it was great. I went, to the, I, I went around, saw lots of things. I went to the Vatican, and I saw the Pope. He said, yeah, I'm sure you did. You and everybody else from St. Peter's Square saw him come out and wave with the rest of the crowd. Yeah, you saw the Pope. And he said, yeah, that's true. But after that, after the Pope came out and he looked down and around, I felt like he was looking right at me. And soon these two guards from the Vatican came out and got me and they, de- they demanded, they said, hey, you got to come with us. The Pope wants to see you. His Holiness, the Pope, definitely wants to see you right away. So they took me in, and they actually took me to his private quarters. The guy stood there, and he was like, well, that seems pretty weird, but they must have heard that you're the biggest loser in town. That must have been on your passport when you came in. Well, if you saw the Pope, which you're saying you did, what did he say? He said, well, he was so gracious, he said to me, and he looked really concerned. He said, my son, as I looked off from the balcony, I saw that you suffered more than anyone here. You've suffered so great, greater than anyone I've ever seen. And I have one question for you. Who gave you that terrible haircut? (laughs) All right? So negativity, negativity, all right? All right, today we're going to look at this verse from Proverbs. And here's what it says here. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. That is a powerful 
powerful verse. And what psychologists will call this is the law of cognition. The law of cognition. You can write that down and, and use it later and make you sound really intelligent, all right? Um, but what this states is exactly what I said. What you think impacts how, what you believe. And what you believe impacts how you feel. And how you feel impacts what you do. Right? So it's a process. Um, what you think impacts what you believe. What you believe impacts how you feel. What you feel impacts what you do. And so your life is all, I've said this many times, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Always. Be careful how, so be careful how you think because it's shaping your life. For instance, when you're hungry, what do you think about? Food. When you're working out, you think about food and getting done workout, correct? I mean, our, our life is controlled by our biggest thoughts that we have. Dr. Paul David Tripp, who's an author and a pastor, had this quote, and I think it's one of the best ones. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do, all right? And often what we see is we usually take what people say to us and we put it in our mind and we have this negativity loop and we're talking to ourselves with negative thoughts and negative things all the time. It's sad, there's something sad that um, so many of us have talked ourselves into hating the life that we have. And so today we're going to talk about dwelling on the negatives. So let's pray real quick, if you will, with me here. Father, um, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would not be conformed to the patterns of this negative sinful and broken world, but God, that we will be transformed by the renewing of, your, of our minds. So help us to think on you, on what is true, what is pure, what is right, what is noble, and what is God-honoring. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. So how many of you, of you would agree that unfortunately the world seems to become becoming more and more negative. If you, if you believe that, raise your hand. If you're online, type it in, um, whatever you want to do. I may believe that it becomes increasingly more negative. Um, and, and it just seems that way. It's, it's a practical problem, but it's also a, a spiritual problem. And so today, what I want to do in the rest of our time together, I want to give you a couple foundational goals, I mean, foundational thoughts that we'll come back to again and again. And then I, wanna, I want you to recognize a couple things. I want you to recognize that, number one, your thoughts have incredible power. Your thoughts have incredible power. We already talked about that. What you think is where, where it guides you. But the good news is this. You have incredible, incredible power over your thoughts. We may not feel that way. Often we think we're just a passive uh, passenger, but we're not. So your life is moving in the, strong, in the area of strongest thoughts, but the good news is you're not a victim of your thoughts. You don't have to be a victim of your thoughts, is what I would say. So we're going to look at how, by God's grace, we can go ahead and actually begin to change how we think and those patterns. Because what you think determines how you live, all right? So in Romans chapter 8, in verses 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul said this and said it this way. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh is. Now, he's not talking about your skin. That's not what he's talking about here. He's, he's using the word sarka and, um, and what it means, it's flesh. And it has a lot of definitions. It can mean your flesh, skin, whatever. But in, in the case where Paul writes a lot, he's talking about, um, in this case, according to the flesh, he's saying that that is the ruling principle of your life. In other words, he's just using that to say you're living 
in a different way than God wants you to. You're living here. You're thinking a way that God wants, that, different than what God wants you to. And when you live that way, here's what you get. If you have your mindset on the flesh, you get what the flesh desires, okay? So he, he starts there. So those are living according to their flesh, sinly des- a nature, have their mindset on sinly nature and the stuff of the world. The good news is this, but those who live according with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires, and the mind is governed. And then he says this, the mind that is governed by the flesh is death. Anybody taking that on? Anybody say, oh, yeah, that's what I want to think. But the mind governed by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is life and peace. If I said to you, how many of you for your life would like death? Raise your hand. And how many of you would like life and peace? Go ahead. That's what we would want. And so um, you guys are good. You were actually raising your hand. I don't know what this section did. I was looking over there. But um, so that's, that's what we're talking about. So how does this impact us? In verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh gets death. It gets destruction. It gets darkness. It gets heaviness. It gets weightiness. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So if you find yourself hurting feeling broken, being discouraged. And remember, I challenge you to look at week one because we talked about a lot of different ways that you may struggle um, with mental health, that it could be chemical, it could be, you know, just thought patterns, it could be a lot of different things. I don't want to ex- uh, dismiss any of that, so I challenge you to go back to that. But I'm, I'm using this in the focus of the spiritual nature. And so if you find yourself in this way, Paul gives us a way to easily determine if we walk in the spirit or the flesh. It's by where is our mindset? Where's our mind focused on? Where do we have that? Could it be that our mind is set on the things of the world instead of the things of God? And if we focus totally uh, or committed, like our lives are moving in the direction of the things of the world. Now, again, it doesn't mean you just say, hmm, I'm going to focus on God and not do anything. No, I'm saying that you get, it goes back to being obsessed. It gets back to the last week, being worried, that we focus so much on it. That, that when we do those things, if we focus on God first, remember last week we were talking about seeking his kingdom first. If we do that first, then the other stuff is added to us so we don't get caught up in all the other things. So today I want to share a plan with you um, with a few goals to try to achieve that. So my plan today, first of all, can, I'm going to give you three things, first of all. So what, here's my plan. I want to show you, number one, why negativity is not only hurting you, but it hurts your family, it hurts your relationships, it hurts your marriage, it hurts your values, it hurts your outlook, and it, and it changes the direction of your life. And, and so I want to show you how negativity is hurting you. The next thing that I want to do is I want to try to help you identify a specific area, one of the specific areas that I'm going to share in your own mind and thinking that is, is negative. Okay, that's what I want to start with. And then number three, I want to show you how with the help of God, we can change from that which brings death to that which brings life and peace. That's my plan. You like it? That's what I got if you don't like it. So, all right, here we have. So, so we're going to start with this here. Why is negativity so toxic? Um, because what many, many uh, psychologists and others have coined is that we have kind of ingrained in us, and many believe that it starts in infancy. We have what is called a negativity bias, a negativity bias, and um, that we are biased toward the negative. That's why it's called negativity bias. So that when we hear good and bad things, we tend to latch on to the negative thing. If we have positive and negative, we go ahead and latch on to that. And so when it comes to 
um, negative events, something bad, something tragic, something unfortunate, some gossip, our brain tends to naturally stick longer to those things. We, we, we think about those things and, and we, we ponder on those a lot. It sticks on the negative a lot more than it does on the positive. Now, I'll give you an example of some of this stuff, uh, some examples of this here. So, what do you think spreads faster on social media? Something positive or something negative? negative. Yep. Anybody hear anything locally? No, I'm not going to go there, all right? Um, and you know, all right? Um, what about on your news app? What takes, or news channel, or story, or any stories that you're clicking through, or whatever else, which one get more press? What is the first story? Is it negative or positive? Negative. I remember I would, back in the day when you had to watch um, evening news for, um, to see the sports uh, highlights before you could pick up your phone and find them, I remember I would, I would turn on Action News out of Philadelphia, and they would always go ahead and say, oh, the so-and-so did this. But the big news is five shot at so remember? That was always, it always had, would bring you in by watching this, but then say, but the big news is something completely negative. And you, that goes into your brain. So we have that. So if you have a presentation and you're really nervous about it, and so you do the presentation and you do a good job, and afterwards five people say, wow, that was amazing. That's such a good job. And, and five people loved it, but one person comes up and goes, I've seen better. What are you sticking with? The negative. It sticks there a, a lot of times. Um, one person makes a negative comment and changes it. Or you get that work review. Or, uh, you know, I know when I was teaching, you would get that um, evaluation from the student. And that one negative part. Or the work review may be great. You had a great job. You did this, this, this. And, you know, there's that one time, that one thing I did. You focus on that, don't you? How many have ever gotten mad about something that was somebody put a review down? Like, everything else might have been good, but they give you this one thing, and you're like, that jerk wouldn't be able to do my job, right? You know what I mean? And we, we go to that place um, all the time. So if you're like me, your mind tends to focus on the negative more than the positive. And what begins to happen when we focus on that with that negative bias, the negative bias then becomes chronic negativity, and it sends us into a fight or flight. And we're actually wired that way. And, and, and it's not bad at first until it becomes bad because God actually designed our brains to release cortisol into the bloodstream, and that's a good thing. It makes us more alert, it makes us more focused, and we, it helps us deal with problems. And it's good until it's not good. And we become, when we become chronically negative, we get stuck in this negative loop, and we feel like there's always danger. We feel like there's always a threat. We feel like somebody's always against us. We feel like it's always bad, always going to be bad. Paul said it this way. He said, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So here's some of the effects of negativity. What happens is when uh, most of what you see on, online is negative, when you, when you have friends. Anybody have friends that, you just, that are just like, Okay, there we go. <laughs> all right. Somebody's looking for some new positive friends today, all right? Um, but some of you may have friends that every time you get together or maybe they're acquaintances, every time you're with them, they, it's negative, all right? And it's like hooking, like you're the dinghy hooked to the Titanic, right? They're bringing it down into negativity. Or what you say to yourself, 
You may just constantly be so positive to everybody else, but negative to yourself. And you hear all the stuff in the world that's negative. And when you hear that and hear that and embrace it and surround yourself with it, and then you focus yourself on the negative, you're creating, and we've talked about this before, neural pathways. And neural pathways are when you think something once, it's easier to do it again. And for, for those who haven't been with us, I want, I want to share. It's like when you have like a, uh, and I've said this before, a sidewalk that is in kind of like a, uh, a corner like this, and there's grass in the middle, and people decide to walk across the grass, what happens? A path gets worn down, and people keep going down. That's the neural pathways we do. And when we start thinking negatively, surround ourselves with negativity, and then we don't believe anything's positive, when we hear something, it's easier for us to head right down that negative pathway. And the more we head down that negative pathway, the more negative we become. And have you ever met somebody or talked to somebody after years, uh, uh, not seeing them, and they may have stayed in this negative deal, and you go, they used to be so happy. They used to be so much fun. I can't stand being around them anymore. Anybody ever said that? And it's because they've had down this, n this neural pathway all the time. And so the, these effects are there, and we focus on the negative all the more, all the more. And literally what happens is our negativity becomes a habit. And, and I'll tell you, one of the things that I, I was doing this week in, in preparing for this, I was thinking about negativity, and I was shocked at how many times I started to get into something negative or started to allow negative to get into me. It's, it's all the time. It's, it's a battle. And so it becomes our default setting. So we say, oh, things are bad, and they're going to get worse. You can't trust anybody, and everybody's going to let you down. Oh, but, and all Christians, all Christians are hypocrites. And, you know, life sucks, and it's getting worse, and it's awful, and it's going to just get worse and worse and worse. And my mental health is bad, and it's getting worse, and yours is even worse than mine. And I'm not going to get anywhere. I'm never going to be happy. God could never use me or call me. There's never going to be anything that really matters in life, and I'm always going to be stuck here. And, you know, our better days are behind us, so let's just end it all. Let's just be done with it. And literally, negativity becomes that default habit stance. And But remember, the mind governed by the flesh is death, and that's what we're doing. The Everything that we consume, the shows we watch, everything we listen to, everything we see, we're bombarded all the time by negativity, negativity, negativity. I tell you, go ahead and make a tally mark this week of the negative things you see. Your hand will get cramped and tired because it's everywhere. And your thoughts have incredible power to put the direction of your life into motion. But the good news is you have power, incredible power through God, to go ahead and change those thoughts. So where are we most prone to negativity? There's a couple areas I want to show you. And, and I really why I'm doing this, because I, as I said, I want you to identify your area. I have my area or areas, but I want you to hone in on where it, are you most susceptible to negativity in your life. And according to experts, there are four big areas of negativity, and I want to help you find your biggest one and define that, because if you can't define it, you can't defeat it, right? You need to know what it is. So the first one is this, relational cynicism, relational cynicism. And um, cynicism is a general distrust for people and their motives, you can't trust people. You can, but you don't. Um, they're going to take advantage of you. Everyone is out for themselves. All of those people are whatever this way. No matter what you do, 
They're all, people are always looking out for their interests. If they're being nice, they want something. Um, nobody is really genuine. Nobody's really generous. Nobody's really caring. Everybody is out for themselves, and I just don't trust anybody. Now, a side note, I'm going to add this, um, is a side note is, according to the same, similar experts, um, cynicism, this type of relational cynicism that, that we talk about and we live by, is often what they believe is a reflection of how we view our own motives. So if you view the motives of other people as being negative, often they say that's because maybe you view yourself as negative. I'm not going to preach on that today. That's a whole other sermon for another day. But, um, but re- it's relational cynicism. And, um, and for some of you, that may be your one. That may be your one that you just are like, no, I don't, I don't trust anybody. Uh, you know, I, I got an eye on the person next to me and around me because I don't trust anybody. Um, I don't even trust this preacher who's talking about negativity. He's probably negative himself, all right? Um, so the second thing is um, negative filtering. Everybody say negative filtering. Negative. There we go. Um, just seeing what's wrong. We find the worst possible things to point out. Even if everything's good, we're going we're gonna to sort through that sucker and find what's negative about it. Like, you could come and say, hey, I got a raise. And somebody's like, yeah, well, now we got to pay more taxes. Right? You know, oh, now we're in a different bracket. Oh, great. Now what are we going to do? Right? We, we always are looking for that negative part. We constantly overlook what's worth. We, see, we assume the worst possible scenario. You text your friend, for instance. You text your friend, and you see little bubbles, and then nothing for two hours. Okay, you got, I, I hear you. All right. And you're like, are they mad at me? Did I say something wrong? Well, I didn't say anything wrong. I bet you they're kidnapped. Oh, my gosh. They're probably in another country. I better call the police. I better call. And, you know, you start, then you, then you do that other thing where you text somebody out somewhere and you say, hey, will you talk to Mary? And they're like, and the bubbles come up and they don't talk to you. Oh, my gosh, everybody hates me, right? And, and you just, you get in that point. Those little bubbles are torturous, aren't they? Um, and so it's negative filtering. And we're always looking out for what's wrong rather than what's right. And we see this a lot of times. Um, I've been amazed. You know, I've been, we've been blessed to, uh, to go on some amazing vacations at times. And um, have you ever been on vacation and there's somebody who's on vacation and they're the most negative person about vacation. Like, I remember one time we were standing in like a tropical area. I think it, was, it might have been Mexico at the time. And we had to wait to get into the food. And this guy is complaining about the food. And I'm thinking, I am eating the most disgusting, awesome stuff in the world that I'm going to gain 25 pounds. And I don't care. If I didn't want to wait in line, I could go stay home because nobody's making me wait in my refrigerator. I want to be there. And look, it's 80 degree weather. Sounds awesome to me. Go home where it's 30. All right. But there are people that will find anything negative and it ruined my whole trip. I had to stand in line to eat a, a smorgasbord of amazing, delicious, fattening food. Oh, darn, right? But you know people like that, correct? I mean, there's people, if I said, do you know a negative person you would not want to go on vacation with? You're like, "Mm mm-hmm, I've been on vacation with them. And that happens a lot. Um, You go to a restaurant, and the person, you may say, you you say, oh, it's it's a great restaurant, but they'll find one thing that's bad. And there's the people in your life that if you suggest it, they're going to find something bad. But if they suggest it, it's the best thing ever, correct? But they always want to find something there. Or they meet a person, and as soon as they meet a person, they're immediately saying, oh, I don't like the way they say hi. I don't like the way they, they looked at me. You mean like this? 
high, you know. There's people that do that. They're always looking for something negative. Or this one, bless God, they go to a church and they immediately tell you what's wrong with the church. It's that pastor up there in that blue shirt. That's what's wrong with the church, right? I mean, they will find, find something. Um, it's negative filtering. So that might be yours. That might be yours. The second thing is absolute thinking. Everybody say absolute thinking. This is polarized thoughts. It's all or nothing. It's black and white. And it's, it's faulty in logic where you do an enumerative argument where it's all this or all that. And so if, if, if you were in a relationship and a man hurts you, all men are bad. If a woman lies to you, all them women are liars. If a Republican and Democrat does something, it's a miracle. No, um, but... Um, <laughs> That was negative. That was hilarious. Um, all right. But if they do something, then they're all this. All right. Uh, and we have that. But if you, if you make a mistake, then you're just dumb. And if you disagree with someone, you just write them off. I had, a, I had an interesting thing years ago, um, eons ago, when I was much younger, um, before I went to seminary and, and other stuff, I, um, I, for a while I did outside sales for a heating oil company. And, um, and so um, the, the first day they put me well, a couple of days, they, they had me ride out with some of the servicemen and, and some other things. And I was riding with this one guy, and we immediately found a connection. And this guy, he was tatted all up, really cool guy. We got a great, and he was a Christian. He was talking about all the goodness that God had done for him. And we, we just had a good time talking about that kind of stuff and, and just sharing together. And then, like, after lunch, he started bringing out, like, things. What do you think about tithing? What do you think about this? What do you think about tongues? What do you, I mean, he was going to all the things that you put two Christians in a room, they're going to be cutting each other's throat about, you know what I mean? And, and that kind of doctrinal stuff. And we disagreed, and then I don't think we ever talked much again because he was focused on the negativity. And so we, you know, when you have those things, so you disagree about an issue, you just write people off. We live in a time now where you can't disagree. And sadly, one of the things is where higher education used to be an area where you get was freedom of expression, even in some of the most tumultuous times, it, higher education, in many ways, have gotten to places where it's not allowed. You've got to go buy into things and do things, and I think that's wrong. I think we need freedom of expression so that we can talk. Just because you disagree with me, just because um, you're a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Democrat, you're a Republican, doesn't mean we have to hate each other. And we got to stop that thinking. But, you know, it's something that Satan, Satan loves because it's divisive. But I believe we've seen more of this absolute thinking in the last couple of years than I've seen in my whole entire life. And so we just write people off time and time again through everything. Um, so, and then there's other people that when they're absolute thinkers, they don't even see it. They don't realize that most people think they're the biggest jerk that walked the face of the earth because they know something. They know everything. And, and, and just because you may know something, um, just because you're right does not mean you're righteous. And that's, that's something that we need, we need to look at more. The final one. You ready for the final one? Anybody find yours yet? Okay, the final one. Blaming. 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 Simply, you're always the victim. You're blaming. So there's reasons where you are in life because of someone or someone else. They did something and got in your way. They took your toy as a child. I'm serious. I've heard some of these things. Um, they never gave you a chance. They um, liked someone more than you do. They played their kid in the sport over you. We had this all the time. So 
So now you feel like you don't have any control over your life now because of what happened to you, because of, uh, of, of what, what existed and what did. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to minimize that because I also know that there's trauma. And there's trauma that it caused. We're going to talk about that next week, all right? And, and the effects of trauma. Um, but, but as I read the scripture, the Lord says, um, the son came to set you free and free indeed. So whatever we go through in this life, because of Jesus Christ and because of his love, we can be set free from anything. And I don't want to minimize anything because I know everybody, as I look around the room, I know people, and I, and I think of names over my life, people have been through stuff that, that's bad, but through Christ, we can get through that because he promises us fullness of life, or, okay? Um, and so, so, but many people just, just live, want to live in that negativity of life circumstances. And they, there's no way for them to get ahead because the deck is, the, the deck is stacked against you. And you can't, you can't get there. So the question is, if you find yourself constantly jealous, critical, discontent, negative, assuming the worst, or you're always hard on people and negative about other people or hard on yourself, the, the, the question that we're asking, can you change? And the answer is, yes, you can change, but it's not easy because we've been going down neural pathways and the world is feeding us negativity all the time. Um, I saw this study and it was, um, it was part of a TED Talk um, and they, they, what they wanted to do, they wanted to take two groups and they wanted to introduce a new surgical procedure. It wasn't real, but they were making it up. And they took two different groups of people and they presented the same surgical procedure um, with, and wanted to see odds of success and failure to see if they thought it was a, a very good procedure or very bad. And they just changed the way they spoke it to them. And group one, they said, hey, there's a 70% chance of success in this surgery. To group two, they said, there's a 30% chance of failure. Same thing, correct? If you're, if you're slow with math like me, I'm, I'm going to help you out here, okay? So, so they, they asked them, they said, hey, if there is a 70% chance that it's going to succeed, is it a good or is it a bad procedure? And what do you think they said? They said, good, it's a good procedure. And the majority said that. They asked group two, if there's a 30% chance of failure, is this a good or a bad procedure? And when they were presented with that, what do you think group two said? Bad. They said it was, it was a bad, it's, it's, it's got to be bad. Now, remember, the math is the same. Um, and then they, they, they conducted and they said, what if we went back to the same groups and just change the description. We just swapped the descriptions. And they went to group one and said, well, we're glad that you think it's a really good surgical procedure, but let me give you the other side of it. There's also a 30% chance of failure, um, and knowing that, do you still think it's good? And the majority said, it's a, oh, knowing that, it's a, probably a bad procedure. They went to group two, and they said, well, well, knowing that there's a 30% chance of failure with this procedure, what do you, th uh, we want you to think, there's, we found out that there's actually a 70% chance that it's actually a, a, a good procedure, and it will be successful, and do you, do you change your stance now? And what do you think group two said? They said, no, it's a bad procedure. Because they first got negativity in their head, and they stuck to the negativity over and above. So you see both groups, once they got the negative, 
They stuck with a negative. And that's what we do all the time in our lives. And they change that perspective because our thoughts are more powerful than we can imagine. And, but we do have power over our thoughts. So how do we do it? How do we change? If you really need to change, how do we drastically or practically change? So I want to look at David in the Old Testament. Okay, and I want to show you something because it's a moment where he was blindsided with a flood of negativity. And I'm going to share this with you after I take a drink. All right. Um, so we're going to, in 1 Samuel 30, I believe you have that in your um, bulletin worship guide. So here's the context. This is a bad day, followed by a great, a great day. They had great victory. They were coming home. And it was one of the worst days that you can imagine. David and his troops had, were coming home from battle. They won a big battle. And when they get home, they discovered that the enemy force, they thought they had defeated them, but the rest of the enemy force had come in. They burned their homes and they captured and kidnapped their families, their wives and children. So the warriors come home to rest and celebrate and see their families. And they look and they say, oh my gosh, our homes are burnt and our families are gone. And they thought, man, this, I'm sure David was like, this could not get worse until it did. His own men decided to turn on him, and they also talked about stoning him to death with rocks, okay? Um, you have to say that now when you talk about, you get it, all right, okay? So here we go. Here's what it says. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives, sons, and daughters taken captive. So David and all his men wept aloud until they had no strength to weep. And some of you may be right there. Some of you may be in a point or may have had a point in your life that the hurt, the anxiety, the depression, everything, the pain, the fear, and everything has hit you so much that you, you, you can do nothing but just weep and you don't even have strength to do that. So, so that's where they are. They have no strength left, left in them. But look here. David, understandably, was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, and we'll add the wives in there too, all right? But David found strength in the Lord. Now, look at this. It can't get much worse than this, correct? You come home. You think you won a victory, and you find out your home's not there and your family's not there. How would you feel about that? Well, the men were angry. And, and the, the negativity that got in them and the, the hurt and the depression and everything mixed together. And they went and said, you know what they did? They went to number four. We're blaming David. All of them went to blame David. David went from being the king and the leader. Who they shouted, David kills tens of thousands. Oh, yay. To now they're saying, my wife, my kids aren't here because of you. My house is gone because of you, and you're the problem, and they're going after them. And, and they're angry, and they're hurt, and David wept aloud too. He's feeling the same thing they are, and they're at a loss. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Now, that's not just like a churchy term here. I love the way the King James says it. It says, in the middle, uh, and it's in the middle of David's darkest hour, it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. 
Some of us are in a period of so much negativity and so much hurt and everything that it's time for us to find some strength, not in our own self and not in the world, not in what we think of the flesh, not in our own power, not in our own positive thinking, not in, but in the life-changing presence of God himself. And that's the only thing we can find hope in here. And, and so David said, David was distraught like the rest of them. And he's like, I'm going to be killed. But guess what? I've got to remember God and encourage myself in the Lord. So David decided to talk to himself. And what did David say? We don't know. But what David said a couple other times, I believe he probably said at this point. And I'm going to share with you some of these examples. From Psalm 105, 1 through 5, David's talking to himself, dealing with some things, and he, it, he encourages himself, and he says this. He says, Praise the Lord, all my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. He said that before. You know why he's saying that? Because his soul ain't feeling it. Praise the Lord, my soul, and, for, and, and forget not all his benefits. In other words, I'm not seeing them, but I can't forget them. And then he says, who forgives all your sin, here's some of them, and heals your diseases, who redeems you from the pit and crowns you, here we go, yes, with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. David needed to take time to remind himself in points of it, it getting, getting uh, negativity or getting down. David says to himself, yo, David, it's bad, but time to remember um, that God anointed you as king. He chose you. He set you apart. He delivered you from the lion and the bear. He gave you faith and courage to stand up to Goliath, so much so that everybody else was laughing at you, and you hit him with the sling and then chopped off his head. Um, remember that he never leaves you, and he never forsakes you. Remember that he protected you when Saul wanted to kill you. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then in Psalm 103, verse 8, I want to show you what he says. Something that you may have heard before, okay? He says this, the Lord is what? Compassionate and what? Gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love. This is all in 103. Now, I, I, I need your help. How many of you have ever heard that before? Anybody ever heard that before? Any of you online say, yep, I heard it. Um, you've heard that, that verse before, okay? But David also said this in Psalm 86, he says, but you, Lord, are what? Compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Sound familiar? How many of you heard that? You may have heard the first one or you may have heard this one. Maybe it was this one. Or maybe, you know, David wasn't very creative um, at this point because he's talking to himself and he's saying the same things. What's he saying about God? He's saying God is gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love, and he's good. He says it again and again. And David wasn't the first person to ever say that. David wasn't the first person to say it. He plagiarized it. He failed the test. He plagiarized it. You know who he copied it from? God. Let's go to Exodus chapter 34. God says this to Moses. says it about himself. And he says this. And when he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, and so God's going by. This is God talking. The Lord, the Lord, like, here I am. It's me, it's me. And he says, the Lord, the Lord, he's what? Compassionate. And he's what? Gracious. And he's 
slow to anger, and he's abounding in love, and he's faithful. Anybody ever heard that before? David heard it, and he put it in his mind that in the lowest points of life, he can say, I know it looks bad, but guess what? God's compassionate. God is gracious. God is slow to anger. God is abounding in love, and God is faithful. He said that time and time and time and time over and over and over and over and over again to encourage himself in the Lord. Because again, the situation didn't get, didn't get better at that moment. The men still wanted to stone and kill him. But he says, hey, they're going to do what they want, and I'm hurting myself, but God, I know that you're compassionate, and I know that you're gracious, and I know that you're slow to anger, and I know that you're abounding in love, and I know that you're faithful, and I know this isn't the end of the story. So I want to give you an example to help you and encourage you if you're in this point. I want you to start acting like a cow. All right? And, and I'm, I'm going to show you what a cow does, all right? Cows in church. Here we go. Okay. So cows, and you've heard, heard me talk about this. A cow will take a mouthful of grass and they'll chew it, 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 and then they'll swallow it. And then they'll vomit it back up in their mouth, and they'll chew it, and they'll chew it, and they'll chew it, and then they'll swallow it, and then they'll vomit it back up and chew it some more. That's a cow. Now, that's kind of cool, but it's really gross as well. But why does a cow do that? He does it, the cows do it because they want every bit of nutrition out of that grass. They get every single ounce of nutrition out of that. And what's really interesting is this. What, what we call that is called ruminating. And many of us ruminate on negativity all the time. Something negative? We chew, 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 chew. Oh, I'm not going to let it bother me. We can swallow it and, blah, and we bring it back up and chew, 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 chew. Um, I said, I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm going to think positive today. It's going to be a positive day. And we do that all the time. All the time. What's interesting is the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for meditate is actually synonymous with ruminate. You're like, like, I'm supposed to be like looking at the word of God, meditating on the word of God, and chew, chew, chew. Yes. Yes, we are. So we get every ounce of nutrition out of the word of God. So when you find yourself in a tough situation, you don't have to, you, you, you got to find your go-to verse, your go-to statement. And for David, it was, the Lord's compassionate. He's loving He's uh, not slow to anger. He's faithful. He needed to remind himself that all the time. That's what got him through. David had it. The Lord is slow to anger. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's, yeah, he's, he's uh, you know, bounding in love. He's faithful. Chew, 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 chew. Okay, got the nutrients. I'm good. I can go on, swallow it. Oh, something's coming up again. <laughs> got to chew on that. Lord is, he said it time. 10 million times in the scripture, David went back to this. And he stole it from God. So you don't have to make it up. Isn't that good? You don't have to make it up. You can pull it from, from the Lord. 
And, and we need to learn to ruminate and meditate on the Word of God. And I told you in this series and in other messages that there have been times in my life, particularly two, major, two or three major times that I remember, where I hit some of the lowest spots in my life, incredibly low spots. And one was um, about 12 years ago or, or so when I was burned out, I was beaten up, I was breaking down, I was baffled um, why I was feeling that way, and all the temporary things that, were, that got me through it before weren't working anymore, or they worked for about this much time. And I just, I just didn't, I, I, di- I didn't care about anything. I, I just, I, I would do, I would go through the motions, but there was nothing alive. It was, I was dying on a vine, and I just, I just wanted to, you know, I, I, I said I understood why somebody goes out for ice cream and then disappears off the face of the earth. And I, and I meant that. I honestly felt that in, in me. It was everything. And, and the littlest things were the biggest. And when, I, when somebody would say something positive to me, I went right to the negative because that's what I believed when I looked in the mirror. And that's what I believed about myself. And I still often struggle with that. And, and so my mind started to break down too. I, I, I could hide it w- fairly well, but I was depressed. I was frustrated. I was, I was just, it was just, you name it. I had it. And, and I decided to take the step and to really bite the bullet and get a, count, a professional counselor. And I needed one, but I would always talk myself out of it. No, I don't need it. And, you know, I want to tell you, that's like you having cancer and saying, no, I'm not going to the oncologist. I can handle cancer myself. And that's what we do to ourselves because our mind affects the rest of our lives. And so everything else in my life was, was breaking down in me because of how I was thinking and, and how I couldn't get up from underneath it. And I found this counselor through, through um, a couple people. And, um, and I remember going there and sharing, sharing some things. And I got to the point that, okay, we are going to make this work or Lord, just take me out. If this doesn't, if this doesn't work, I'm done. I'm done. And it's, and it's okay. I'm being done. I felt like, you know, I, I ran to, un, under, into a cave. It was like, just kill me. And, um, and after time and just sharing my story and what I was struggling with, because one of the things, we always minimize what we're dealing with. We always think, well, it's not as bad as so-and-so. Well, that's fine if it's not bad as so-and-so. It's that bad for you. It's not good for you. So you need to embrace that. And so through this process, um, my counselor started and just, just helped me recognize that I wasn't bad for thinking that way. That even though I'm a pastor and even though I'm a preacher's kid and even though I have a master's of divinity that, and all that kind of wonderful stuff doesn't mean, and, and just because I, I read the scripture and I believe it doesn't mean that I'm always going to feel it. And it's okay not to be okay. And that's what you need to hear if you didn't hear anything else. It, if you're not okay, that's okay. But don't be not okay by yourself. Get some help in the midst of that. And so what I, what I needed to do is I, the first thing I needed to do was start to rethink things that have been in my, my mindset from the time that I was four years old, at least, created a neural pathway that set many of the negativities in my whole life. And I had to reframe the way I thought about things at times. And I had to establish new patterns. And I want to tell you, here's one of the hardest things. When you establish a new pattern, 
you got to walk around on the sidewalk and you really find yourself in the middle of the grass sometimes. You're like, darn it, i got to go back here. Because you're over here and you're feeling like, why am I feeling the same way I did before? Oh, because i got to go back here. That's not right because I've headed down that path for 40 years. And it's worn and it's easy to go down. But it's not a healthy path to go down. And then one of the things that I struggle with um, all the time, some because of the way my mind works with ADHD and other things, and just because of the person that I am, I have to learn to savor positive moments and savor the moment. Like, I don't, I don't even savor food. I eat it, and I'm gone. I like it, but it's like two minutes in my mouth, and I'm the fastest person to eat, and I was never in the military, okay? And those who are in the military understand what, I, what, I, what I'm saying there. But I, I, you know, and there are times where I've had to eat something and put it down and just savor that moment because I'm rushing through life with, with a stopwatch that I don't need. And so I had to begin ruminating and meditating on the words that I believed, but also ruminating and applying them for me, not for, for people, but for myself. And in Romans 15 is one of the best ones. And it's this, and I want to share it with you. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of what? Hope. He's a God of hope. And so for some of you may say, I have no hope. You serve a God. We have a God who is filled with hope. And he just wants to give you hope and a future. And then, Lord, fill me with what I need. What do I need? I need joy. I don't need happiness. I can be happy. I can, make, I, can, I can have people laughing in the most ridiculous circumstances. I will find humor everywhere. You can ask Jill. That's what she's done her whole life. Just, I, I've entertained her. And, and I just find humor in demented things. I do, okay? Forgive me. That's the way the Lord made me, all right? But I, I just find them. And I think humor is a great way to heal people, but it's also a great way to cover up my own pain. And so, so in those things, I can do humor, I can do happiness, but joy is a state of existence. When you're unsettled and negativity is, is shaking your life, there's many times that you're, you're not going to have joy. I need the God of joy. I need his peace in my life. And they fill me over and over and over again as I trust him. And then what happens? As I trust the Lord with all my heart then I've got to not lean on my own neural pathway. And he's going to make those crooked paths of my life, he's going to straighten them out as he fills me with that. And as you meditate and ruminate over and over and over again, your thought patterns begin to change because you've got a new and a better path where you, you, you can recognize that you can have peace and have wholeness and have joy and have power and have strength. And the situations around you don't change. And many times they get worse. But your mind is different. Many of you know the last couple of years with the loss and everything that I, I've dealt with over those years. And I could tell you if it wasn't for having my counselor work with me in those, those years ago, I would have never made it through any of that. Because I would have been asked, I would have been, God, how, why is this happening to me? And, and I ended up being, God, why shouldn't it happen to me? Because you're compassionate and gracious. And regardless of what happens, you're a God of hope. Right? So right now, there may be some in the sound of my voice that what you need is a negativity fast. You need to take a break from some negativity in your life. 
whatever way that came through media, friends, whatever, you need to take a break from that. And as, as we wind this down today, I want to give you really quickly four things. And I don't have them on your sheet. If you want to take a picture, feel free. Uh, I'll even pose for you up here. But we went over four big categories, and I want to give you four potential spiritual truths to ruminate on. It's scripture that I put into powerful thoughts that you can have, and so you can, you can take them, and they're divided, and it's God's word that we can remember and say over again. So the first one is, if you're battling with cynicism, here we go. With God's help, I will get rid of bitterness and cynicism. I choose to be kind, caring, and loving, and believe the best about others. Jesus has forgiven me, so I will forgive others. So if you want, take a picture. Um, that's the first one. And say that to yourself over and over again if cynicism is your number one. If negative filtering is yours, you may want to say this right here. Negative filtering. There it is. Okay. God, I submit every thought to Christ's truth by your strength. I choose to think on what is good, right, true, helpful, and praiseworthy because you are good. As I trust you, Christ Jesus, your peace will guard my heart, soul, and my mind. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Get all the nutrients out of it. Number three, absolute thinking. If you're all or nothing thinker, here it is. Jesus loved and accepted me, so I will love and accept others. That's the word of God. Instead of always being right, I must always love. I choose to make a difference rather than proving a point. In humility, I love others before myself. And the last one, blaming. I believe that God gave me life and, and mind. His grace will let me own my own choices and choose God's best. I have all I need to accomplish God's purpose and calling. Through Christ's power, blood, and the cross, and his spirit, I will overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the words of this testimony. Now, you may say that and may not feel it, but keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it until you believe it and know it. You see, our mind is governed by flesh, and the mind governed by flesh is death, destruction, and negativity. Where does that come from? Our spiritual enemy, Satan, who is the father of lies and comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And remember, the mind that's governed by the spirit is life, joy, and peace. So, what do you want to be? You want to be swept up in the latest gossip? And lower, be lowering your, the standard of your life based off a of popular opinion? Or are you going to stand up for that which brings glory to God? We're not a victim of this world. We can say, I'm going to choose where God is working. And to see that, I'm going to choose to look for good in people. I'm going to choose to be loving, kind, and full of God's grace. As I wind this down, the last thing I'm going to say is there's a story of two salesmen. They were salesmen, and they were sent from a British shoe company, shoe manufacturer, to Africa many, many years ago. And they were to investigate and to report back on the potential market in Africa for this British shoe company. The first salesman went, and he said, there's absolutely no potential here. Nobody wears shoes. The second salesman reported back, there is massive potential here. Nobody wears shoes. 
Two situations, two different perspectives, negative and positive. And therefore, what is yours? We will not be conformed to the pattern of this world, ruled by the princes and powers and principalities of darkness, but instead we will be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds, and then we can test and approve what God's will is, his perfect and pleasing will. Track your negativity this week. Have fun with that. Okay? Let's just stand and let's worship God one more time here today. Again, we all have things, I mean, we can really get caught up. There's a lot of negative things. Like, no Eagles in the Super Bowl this year. That's real negative. But, but what was worse if I had to watch them play another week. But anyway. Um, but hey, God is gracious. God is compassionate. God is good. And so with that, we're going to go to him. And know that all those things are fun, and God gives us a great world that we can enjoy. But more importantly, the life that we need to enjoy is the one that is focused on the Spirit, not on the flesh. So bow with me, if you will, for prayer. Father, we come to you in this last point today as a corporate church, and we recognize that as soon as those doors open and we head out into the world, that there's a lot to be negative about. And, um, and God... You, you have so much more for us. Help us to just put together whatever your word is that we need to say and we need to embrace. And in doing so, that God, we can, we can lessen that negativity so that we can have this life that you've called us to. Lord, I also know that there's people that are going through very, very real things. And, and we're not minimizing that, but we recognize that, Lord, you have all things in the palm of your hand. For people who need physical healing, we ask for that to occur in the name of Jesus. For people who just are wondering, like, like the family we just heard that lost a son and a daughter. God, I know of, you know, I, I've said before, I, I pray that I never have to go through that. But God, we know that you know what that feels like. We also know that you, you can bring healing and restoration, even though that loss is still there. Because you're compassionate and you're loving and you're gracious. So God, be with them. For others who are here today, you may have all kinds of things that you just don't know where to begin. Just start with setting your mind on him and trusting his kingdom and his righteousness first. And let him add all the other things. So God, during this time, we know that we're going to receive your tithes and our offerings, and we ask for your Holy Spirit to be on that. And if you're visiting with us today, again, just receive what God has. We don't expect you to give it all. We just want you to receive what God has for you today. But Lord, I know that you're doing amazing things around this world, and we, we give you praise for that. But also, you're doing amazing things in this room, online, in our community. Help us not let us just focus on the negative, because there's so much of it. But let us see the amazing work that you're doing through your church. So Lord, if somebody needs to pray with someone, there are people up front or in the back, and let them just know that they have a, a family of people here who love them because you loved us first. So God, do your will. In Jesus' mighty name.
must I forget who you are and who you have been? A mighty God.
All right, everyone, great seeing you today. Be safe when you head out home and all that good stuff. And have a great, great day. Next week, we're going to talk about trauma, okay? So love to see you next week. God bless. And tell somebody, have a rest of your super day.